Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two hundred and ninety-five of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark. Now, joining me on today's episode is the frontman to one of my favourite bands, the incredible Holding Absence. The guest is returning to Mark and Me following last time we spoke at Two Thousand Trees, but this time round it's an episode dedicated just to him. I'm thrilled to announce that on today's episode, I'm joined by Lucas Woodland, and honestly, he's one of my favourite people on the planet, so I can't wait to share this interview with you. We get to sit down in great detail and talk all about his music career up to now, but we focus on their brand new album which is out now, which is called The Noble Art of Self-Destruction. I've had the album for a couple of weeks, but it officially came out last week, and honestly, it's an absolute masterpiece. It's the third part of the band's trilogy, and for me, it's probably their best album. I absolutely adore it, and I can't wait to see them play it live at the end of the year when they're touring across the UK, and I urge you all to go and check them out. I've been lucky enough to see them at their own gig. I saw them at this year's Slam Dunk at 2000 Trees, and they're getting bigger and better, and rightfully so. They really are one of the best out there, and in a couple of minutes' time, I'll share that interview with you. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, what I always like to do is touch base and talk about my last episode. On episode 294, I recorded a live special from the Arc Tangent Music Festival. I was joined on stage by Damien from the St. Pierre Snake Invasion, and this was a live set from the actual festival itself. But I recorded it for anyone to actually relive the moment if they came along. But if you haven't, then you don't miss out and you still get to have this moment, even if you didn't go to the festival. It's only been out a day, but the response has been brilliant. And a massive thank you for Damien yet again for coming on the podcast and doing this live one. It really meant the world. But today it's all about holding absence. Lucas is one of my favourite people and I'm so glad he's come on for his own episode. And just before I give it you, let's give a quick shout out to the sponsor of the podcast, Richer Sounds. Without those guys, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast. And if you're in the market for a brand new TV or home cinema system or Sonos or anything like that, go on richersounds.com. Right, let's do this. Now it's time for me and Lucas talking all things holding absence so lucas welcome back to the mark and me podcast hey man thank you very much for having me again and um just quickly sorry i ghosted you at red uh it was a slam dunk <laughs> yes and I'm i was really, even wearing your me. fucking t-shirt <laughs> I, I burnt it you know that night i got home and i was like fuck <laughs> them but um i always think that genuinely hand on heart um things happen for a reason and timing is everything and um, with the release of your album and not being at a festival and loads of background noise and only having 10 minutes with someone in the background telling us time's up, this is the right time. So honestly, welcome back. Thanks for having me, man. What I want to do is for the listeners out there, they may have not listened to the first episode that we did, which was about 15 minutes at, I think it was 2000 Trees 2022. Um so what I want to do is take it right back to the start. So when you were growing up, talk to me about those early albums that you fell in love with. Ooh, okay. Um, so I've kind of got a step-by-step main three. And then when the third one comes in, everything goes, to, you know, I think, and we even spoke about the third one last time yes. we died. But the first album that I remember falling in love with was Songs About Jane by Maroon 5. So obviously when I was, I think it was about eight when that album came out. And, um, and I remember 
you, you know, when you're a kid, it's like music is such a, a background thing, you know? And I think, you know, for music to catch your attention twice at the age of eight is like quite a big thing. And I basically remember She Will Be Loved was playing on the TV. And then a couple of days later, um, what was the other one? This This Love, which is obviously very boring song titles on their end. But, you know, and, and basically I was like, whoa, wait, this is the same band. You know what I mean? And like, um, I think we went out and bought the CD and um, played it to death. And then about a year or maybe even the same year in kind of a similar proximity, um, Black Eyed Peas came out with um, with Elefunk. And that was like huge for me because, you know, when you think about the 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 kind of variety of music there, you know, you've got an out and out pop band, you know, and then you've got like a kind of rap R&B kind of project, I guess, you know. And I think it's cool when I look back, I'm like, I really like fell in love with those two albums, Ellie Funk and, and Songs About Jane. I knew every word to every song, like, you know, and especially like rapping along at the age of eight or whatever, you know, it's like, it's funny looking back, but I could still rap those whole albums word for word, you know. Um, and then a few years later, kind of artists to capture my attention, you know, more than once to the point where I felt like I wanted to get into it was, um, was Green Day with... Um, uh because um american idiot was on kerrang i think or was it i don't even think it was kerrang because i wasn't watching kerrang but american idiot was on maybe mtv or something and then um what was uh wake me up when september ends was playing on the radio as well and i i just remember thinking like how can this one band have such range you know and like to this day you know i i think range is a big part of what my band does and it's a big part of what my music taste is as well so and then you know from there then green day into gallows my chemical romance uh everything you know so yeah i mean green day uh, for me you may have i know you listen to mark and me and i talk about it a lot but they were one of my first ever gigs uh it shows my age okay. i'm a lot older than you but i saw them when they toured um one of my first ever shows in wolverhampton was green day on their dookie tour um it blew my mind, dude. At that point, they were just a free piece. They were still very punky. Mm. It was all about just yeah. the three of them. And I couldn't believe that Trey, Mike, and Billy uh, had that sound. And when I watched them live, truly, um, I was looking on stage for a hidden guitarist or something because I couldn't believe it sounded as good as the CD. So stuff like Longview, When I Come Around, yeah. She... And it blew my fucking mind. So you've mentioned some great acts there, very poppy at the start, and then obviously very emo towards the uh, later stages. But what was it for you that kind of remembered, I suppose, that first gig, that first concert that you, like for me with Green Day, had those hairs sticking up on your neck, your chest shaking, and just going, fuck me, like this is this is on another level? I think... So I've got a really funny... <laughs> is there uh, an embarrassing really funny... one and a really cool one? Or are you just... Well, you... No, no, no. Well, yeah, yes, very much so. But basically, this is a, the funniest random fact about me. And like, I, I'll wheel it out every now and then. But um, my my second cousin is, is in Westlife. Right? Wow. So yeah, which is a really funny claim to fame, you know. And like, basically, I, I, I kind of credit it for my... I guess music being such a, a backdrop for my life because, you know, they would obviously do an arena tour every year and I'm from an Irish background, obviously. So they're Irish and, you know, basically they would come, they'd play the CIA every year 
we'd sit in the box and every year Shane, my cousin would say, Ooh, this next song goes out to Nanny Lynn, right? Who's my, my grandmother. And like, it's so funny because obviously it's, it's not cool really. And it's not a flex. And by no means does it help my music career in any way. But you know, I, I always had that kind of, backdrop to my life you know where like once a year i would go to an arena show you know and like don't get me wrong like you know i i definitely wasn't kind of like whoa man it didn't change my life or anything but it almost just set the precedent for a very subconscious music kind of life i guess you know and like we i think we discussed the last one you know i've got uh you know my parents have always been really into music and stuff and you know so i think the first like show show that i wanted to go to um that kind of did blow my mind because i remember you know with westlife it was like i was in a box and i could see everything but with this it was like um you know i was kind of in the normal crowd and i just remember looking over and seeing how small the artists look and almost being like they're just tiny you know it's so far away but it was busted in the nec arena in 2003 um and my my, my dad took me and my sister to see it so that was kind of like i always say that's kind of like four different first gigs you know i've got like westlife which i, I had no control of i can't even remember i've got busted which was my first like i actually wanted to be there um and then uh probably paramore which is the first show i went to on my own and then the other one which was really cool was um like the blackout in in a similar time to to paramore it was there was basically the blackout supported by like only local artists from like pontypris which is where i'm from and that was kind of how I, I view my entrance to the scene, you know? So I know that's a very convoluted answer, but I feel like I got into live music more and more every one of those shows, you know? But mine are very different as well, because one of the first concerts I went to was Birmingham NEC, and it was the Fugees. So, cool. okay, well, you know, yeah. and it's like, that didn't influence me to ever want to pick up a guitar or be in a band or, yeah. you know, go down the route of the bands I listen to now. But like you said, it was an experience. Everyone was dancing. They didn't look very big because they were fucking miles away and I was up in the nosebleeds because I was very young and my parents would drop mm. me off and then pick me up. But it made me appreciate how music can be performed and not just on a CD. So yeah. you mentioned in the blackout, you know, Sean, we know well with the Sapping Podcast and um, a good friend and what, what a fucking front man he is. And his performance yeah. of Download yeah. this year just fucking blew everyone off, off stage. He's absolutely unbelievable. Um, Paramore, I honestly can't think of a better band on the planet right now as a group of musicians that are having fun. Mm. Hayley Williams is yep. just Insane. a magician, just fucking yeah. the talent she has. Yeah. Um, so when was it that you kind of got that urge to want to be like them and get on stage and be a performer and know that you would go down that route because everyone's in a school band or a college band and does the whole batter the bands, but was, yeah, that your, yeah, yeah. was that your journey or was it, you know, wanting to be then in the scene in Pontypris, knowing that you had all this Welsh bands that were all starting to get a name for themselves or. Yeah. You know, I look at it and um, it's actually quite funny because I had a very full circle moment within the last month where I, I went to my old secondary school and I, I judged the ice dead foot <laughs> and I performed this song and like, just like, basically, you know, my teachers, um, and my music teacher specifically, who's still there now, uh, what would that have been? Oh my God. 11, uh, well, 17 years later. Wow. You know? And, and it, uh, yeah, you know, and I'm obviously a full-time musician touring the world, you know? So it's, I think she was very proud and really wanted to bring me in. My mum works in the school, so they just kind of managed to, to kind of arrange that, I guess. But basically, Going there made me realize just how 
important the school experience actually was to, to me getting into music because I always say the first time I decided I wanted to make music or I thought that I was maybe worthy of making music you know I sung a lot when I was a child but it was like a background thing um but like I um year seven you know and and you gotta remember like year seven music lessons are just a joke you know it's just all the kids p- playing the piano really loudly and putting stupid the recorder music. play the fucking recorder yeah. like i'm never gonna fucking play this <laughs> ever again in my life yeah. yeah yeah and so but basically it's like a very uh you know the very i guess constricted vision yeah. of, of music right you know um and one day we we went in and um my teacher had set up the drum kit and um basically you know the lesson was her talking about drumming you know and and, and kind of introducing people to the idea of a drum kit and everybody in the class had a go where you'd sit on the drum kit and you'd try and do beat one which is do do cat do 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 cat on the hi-hat um and i was the only kid who could do it um and you know i i feel like a lot of what i do is entrenched in like you know self-doubt or you know fear of failure or whatever you know and I, i think Looking back, I think that was the first time I was the only person who could do something ever in my life. You know what I mean? I never felt special. I never felt talented. And then, you know, there's a drum kit there and I'm the only one who can fucking do it. So I'm the best musician in the class, you know? And I remember from that point, I was like, dude, I want to I want to be a drummer, you know? So, you know, I got a little drum kit for my uh, for Christmas and proper cheap, you know, like rubbish kind of drum kit. And, you know, and I've got to give props to my parents. I had like a music room, which was like the size of, a, you know, it was like two cupboards in, you know, so it was very small, but a little drum kit and I had a guitar that I couldn't play or didn't have anything to plug it into or whatever. Um, and then I met Scott, who is the guitarist of Holden Absence, but, you know, he was a guitarist in my old band, Falling With Style, and we started a band in 2010 together. But I, I met him when I was 12 in school as well, you know, so lots of, lots of that kind of, um, you know, slowly, slowly built up um and i i feel like you know it's got a very unique story as well that i think really contributed to it and and i think i've always been a bit like scared to talk about it but um went to the same school as, as the lost prophets right um the same you know obviously years and years apart you know but basically the, the school that i went to you know the lost prophets were like the, the celebrities from that yeah. school you know and it was really cool and basically one year they actually played a gig in in the hall you know and they i remember they brought in like industrial like um barricades and they got a pa in and and you know and basically we got to go and watch them play for like 30 40 minutes at the end of our last lesson and i I really think that was what tipped me over the edge i just remember thinking it was so cool um and obviously you know the, the maddest fucking thing in the world happened with our story but more than anything i think you know I think it's it's important to remember that because you know there, I you know there were other people in that band. You know what I mean? And like I think the the guitarist tweeted about it the other day or whatever, and was like, you know, it's cool that our band became came out of that. I was at that show and I was inspired to do it. And you know, he was like, oh, it's nice to think we did one last thing before everything went to shit. You know what I mean? But I think yeah, is that's a weird one because I've never really quick to talk about that experience because it's like almost shameful but the truth is is it, it did have a, a real effect on me and, and i think more than anything i'm grateful to the other four members of that band still to this day regardless you know 
it's difficult, isn't it? Because they were very influential, and as much as Ian Watkins is the the biggest scumbag in the Scum world, the and yeah. um, just don't even want to give him any airtime. I went to the enemy tour when I was at uni, so I was nineteen, and um, there was Black Rebel Motorcycle, and headlining was Lost Profits, and mm. at that time they were the biggest band. They just brought out. Um, Rooftops or whatever it was. Oh, like, oh like, yeah, Liberation Transition. Yeah. And it just fucking yeah. blew up. And I met the band and they signed my t shirt wow. and they invited me on the bus. And they, I remember they had Grand Theft Auto 3 on the PS2 and it was like really welcoming. Whoa. And it was like fucking yeah. hell, like meeting my fucking idols. But now I always feel ashamed to even tell anyone about it because we've both confessed on here that, you know, they've been a part of our life. But I can't rob them because no devotion are now a band that are trying to hold their heads high. But They've always been tarnished now that they've had this yeah. real fucking evil piece of scum ruin everything they've worked for. But it's fucking depressing because they are one of the reasons I picked up a guitar. They are one of the reasons then I got into yeah. bands like Silverchair and Deftones and all these other bands. Same because, for a lot of other bands as well. You know? you know, it's like, yeah. So it is a weird one. So anyway, that was a bit of a tangent, I guess. But more than anything, the point is, I guess, you know, school was a big yeah. part of, of, of why I got into music. Uh, um, performing it you know whereas my parents just facilitated the listening of it when I was growing up and then kind of encouraged me by buying me kind of cheap guitars and stuff over the years you know but isn't that awesome that your parents were supportive because I've seen bands I've seen film stars I've seen directors that had to fight not only to get a name for themselves in the industry mm. but to win their fucking parents over because they didn't yeah. think it was a real world out there Mm. Well, I, even, you know, some of the most successful musicians on earth probably never found peace with their parents, you know, or, or whatever in those scenarios. So, yeah, it's, it, it is one of those things. But, you know, I, um, I'm, just, I'm just grateful for my parents more than anything. It, it, not because it was music, but because my passion was encouraged. You know what I mean? And I think all you can hope to do as a parent is just, you know, show your kid. At the end of the day, my, my parents did it because they were just showing their kids what they thought was cool you know yes. and i thought they were cool and i still do now and and i therefore got got into music because of them basically you know what i mean so so yeah i'm very grateful but you're right it's like i don't know i i don't know yeah there's another universe where maybe they didn't introduce me to music and hey maybe i never even got into it in the first place or maybe i did and they hated it or whatever you know what i mean so i i know i i'm very grateful that i was encouraged you know even now i mean fuck i live in, with my parents now me and my girlfriend moved back the other day because like i just can't afford to rent and tour as much as i do at the moment because i'm away eight months of the year you know what i mean so it's like so it's still to this day you know i'm, I'm really grateful for them and with obviously then you had one band but then you're now still with the same member who's on guitar and then holding absence formed when that band what year was it that you guys started so i started falling with style which was my first band yeah. in 2010 Right, and then okay. we split up in 2015. I, I basically I had a year off and it was my final year of uni. So I was just like, yeah. look, no more distractions. Like, let's get this fucking degree. Just get it done with. And then and then I joined Holden Absence from there. So, so it hasn't there been since. that long, has it really? No, it's crazy. Well, I mean, it's weird because some days I wake up and I'm like, I have technically been doing this for 13 years, you know, like in terms of because i you know we put a lot of effort in when we were kids as well we got to play download when we were 18 and stuff like that so it did do quite well considering in the early days you know but um the funny thing though is with holding absence is like um scott and ben who are the bassist and guitarist from yeah. the first band and the current band 
they've only slowly kind of joined the band. So when I joined the band, it was me and a, a whole new group of people. And then when our guitarist left, Scott joined. And then when our bassist left, Ben joined. So it's weird because these are new lineups, but they're old in terms of you know friendship, which is really cool. It's so unique. I don't think there's another band on the planet that weird, had that. It? Where it's, it's like also, this full circle. It's yeah, but it was funny because it's so simple. It's so obvious, yeah. right? Why would I? Why would I not? You know what I mean? And like, so yeah. But you're right. It's funny. I feel sometimes I feel like we like you know it feels weird to say to explain that, but it's like it's, it's almost a surprise how uncommon that is. I think. But with the band, I always feel like, and I've supported you guys for a while now, um, it feels like you guys have been together longer. Like, if you had told me it's 10 years since you guys have been holding absence, I would believe you, you know? I just don't know why. I just feel like I've seen you at a few festivals building your way up, and I've seen 2,000 Trees go from the smaller stage then to the main stage, slam mm-hmm. dunk on the smaller stage, building your way up. But it also has been very quick. Like, yeah. I saw so many posts on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram when they were announcing all these festivals for this summer, and everyone is saying, please put holding absence on the main stage. Like, you, you like that. And I say this with full respect, like the underdog that everyone wants mm. to see then become the big thing because it hasn't been an overnight success. You've worked your fucking asses off, but everyone was like celebrating when it was like holding absence on the main stage. It was like, yes, yeah, we won, dude. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Thank you for saying that because like, I, I, I love that. I've never been the popular kid. I've never been the cool guy. And I think my band can only really exist as an underdog, to be honest, you know? And I worry there'll come a day where, you know, if every every you know, I I think to the, to myself sometimes. I'm like, if I got what I wanted, I'd probably fucking hate it. Actually, like you know what I mean, like the pressure and the popularity, and that's the goal. Is in a band is you know you want to be the biggest band in the world, and then I'm like, I don't really think I want that. Actually, I never wanted people to like me. I don't, you know what I mean. So so there is almost like um like an oxymoron to it all, you know. But um I think more than anything, it's just like you know, there are a few things we value more than other things in this band and and just sincerity the relationship we have with our fans you know like all of that is so much more important than like being cool or you know being like the popular band or or whatever so i i think our fan base has almost been grown out of this kind of earnest sort of soil where, where it's like you know they're always wanting to push us higher and and there's never any sort of like i don't know false expectation that we're anything other than than just four dudes who are just having fun and happy to reply on Instagram to our fans. You know what I mean? It's like, but it should be, that should be way more common than it is, I think as well, you know? So, so what I, I know you and I speak to you sometimes about, you know, films or whatever it is or anime or whatever. I can talk to you about other stuff <laughs> off topic and I've seen you at festivals and caught up with you and I kind of like, and not in a weird way, but I kind of like see you as a friend. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's Lucas. Mm. How you doing? How you doing buddy? Yeah. And um, I see that, you deserve everything you've got. And I'm not saying it now because it's being recorded. I'd say it to anyone in the world. You know, I walked around at the festival with your t-shirt to fucking tell the world, even though I'm interviewing all these bands this weekend, this is the band I fucking, it's like wearing a football Thank shirt, you. isn't it? You know, it's yeah, like, you yeah, know, this yeah, is yeah, my yeah. team. This is who I respect. And you guys deserve it because you put the work in. You don't just do six dates a year. And then we don't hear from you for two years. You've worked so fucking hard. And I feel like, where does it stand in your head then? Because you don't want to be sleep token and selling out Wembley Arena in 10 minutes and being mega fucking famous where you have a million fans, but also 500,000 fans fucking hate you. But surely as a musician that 
is living back at home, you want to then take that step that is also going to mean that you can sell out Wembley Stadium or Wembley Arena yeah, sure. in that's exactly, 10 minutes. That's exactly what I mean. You know, I, I think so where's the balance? Like, what, what is it? Which yeah. would you like? Do you want to be Paramore and tour the world and fucking do it as a living every day and be millionaires, but half the world will criticize everything you do? Or do you want to it, be... You know, I'm trying to think of about the Frice, who are mm. still just about making enough money off each tour and merch, but everyone respects musically because they're so fucking good. Yeah, for sure, man. I think, um, you know, it's interesting because, like, I realized once when we were playing, we played an arena, and, like, I remember think, looking on stage and being like, all four of us are introverts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why Why on earth are we doing this in front of thousands <laughs> of people, you know? So, yeah, why did you put is, yourself through this? Cool. Yeah. 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 But I think, you know, I, I, I'm i hopeful for the future because, you know, the, the way I look at it is, you know, at the end of the day, su- success kind of buys a little bit of freedom as well. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm free to not have a job anymore. You know what I mean? So I don't have to... Like, there was a period of time where I worked in a bar called Fuel, which is the rock bar in Cardiff. And... I kind of struggled towards the tail end of it because I loved the job so much and I loved the thing I'm about to say, I loved it happening. But like when you, when you work in a shift from like six till four in the morning and like you, you, you have to like stop working on the bar to go around the side, to have a photo with a fan every few hours, like it's insane. But then there's this weird kind of energy where it's like, I'm sorry you have to see me pouring a fucking pint. You know what I mean? Because you obviously love my music and think that I could maybe be this cool kind of, you know, person. But at the end of the day, I'm just a a normal dude. You know what I mean? And and I think, you know, that kind of illusion that people have, I I think more than anything, you, you kind of, success just helps you create the, the illusion that you're as good as your music. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, now I don't have to, work a job quite as much so you know I'm, I'm fortunate that you know there is a little bit of a distance so that you know i guess more than anything it's like me being very self-critical it's like i'm i'd much prefer you to see him the guy on stage who sings the songs really well and writes the music than me sweating pouring a pint you know to, to a crowd full of 100 people you know what i mean so so it, it is a weird one but you know more than anything though i don't care you know what i mean like i think the best thing about this is like I'm happy for it not to happen and I'm happy for it to happen. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's a good way to be, you know? Are, are you too caught up in it internally to see it from the outside? So obviously your girlfriend can see it, your family can see it, your close friends and other bands can see it. But to see yourself then, you go online, I see you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Do you see the response and see the growth or are you just too invested in it internally to be able to take a step back? Because like some people say on your wedding day, you should just take a step back and watch for fucking five minutes because it's such a whirlwind. By the end of it, you're like, fuck, we just got married and I didn't even know what happened. I didn't even, yeah. You know, um, and it's only when you get the photos back, you're like, oh, okay, that's what happened. But are you so invested in it that you don't see the fact that getting the main stage slot is a fucking huge, huge win. Yeah. You get in the Champions League, you know, it's yeah, it's a massive I, I think, victory. I think um, one thing that I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very uh, aware of and, and something that I, I try and do a lot is like, um, you know, and not, not, not using this word in an ugly way, but comparison, like I think is, is the best and worst thing you can do in this position. Because like, I look at like, for example, I grew up, you know, loving like bands like Lowland Atlantis and, you know, uh, that kind of scene of, of, of music. And like, 
we're doing bigger venues than they did or, or whatever. And I'm just like, well, they were the coolest band on earth. And, and, and like, I, I love them so much. I can't believe that I'm like same league as them now after all these years or whatever, you know? And, and I think it's, that's really important for me is to, I don't know, look at old posters of, of festivals we've played and be like, oh, three years ago, you know, this band had that slot. And I thought they were way bigger than us, you know what I mean? So little stuff like that, like we played after Electric Six at 2000 Trees, you know, and I grew up listening to the Fire album in the car with my dad, you know? So, you know, little things like that are really important to me because it's almost like a good way of keeping check of how far you It's a come, massive reality check. It's a massive wake-up yeah. call of like, like, it's like a snapshot. It's like a photo. It's like a diary entry. Like, look, today was a good fucking day. I used to listen to this album and they've just gone on before us. Like, it's, Yeah, it's kind of like drawing the height of, kid next to a door yeah. or whatever right you know what i mean and it's like whoa i'm taller than that now you know and, and it's like it, it is weird to think but it, it you know it it's visible and it's true you know but i will say like you know back to getting caught up in it you know i think and comparison also has an ugly side there because you know i'll i'll just think oh man imagine if i was the singer of bad omens i'd get way more replies to my tweet or whatever you know and of it's course. like don't you know don't take for granted the hundred replies because this guy has a thousand replies you know what i mean so it's it's it's, it's one of those things is trying to i guess contextualize things healthfully you know are you getting better at that because i can see myself in you at times when i'm not comparing it because i've not got a stage but i look at numbers and i'm like oh dude Why that's is this the word fucking numbers. episode not done as many downloads as this one and then yeah. Oh, I've just got Anthony Hopkins, and it did a seven hundred thousand, and I'm like, wow, this is my moment. But then, everyone in the world then expects you to get De Niro because you've got one of the best out there. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. expectation of me sometimes is unrealistic. Like when you're getting Ryan Gosling, I'm like, I'm a lad who lives in a room that wants to do well, who's just got a microphone yeah. and a computer. I've got no backing. I've got no studio. I've got no manager. I've got no agents. But I mean. I do my best, but um, I've got to stop telling myself to be obsessed with the numbers because then yeah, I don't I enjoy do. it. And I worry that and I'm not I'm not putting words in your mouth, but are you getting better at that? Are you stopping being obsessed with, oh, I've only got 100 retweets or I've only had yeah, a thousand man. likes, you know? There's um, it's kind of a random tangent, but I remember when, when I heard this, it really it really contextualized it. There's um, uh, Weezer's, one of their newer albums is called OK Human, and there's a song on that called Numbers. And it, it, it's it's about the this modern age that we live in and how like numbers are the most like literal comparison you can make, you know, because one, two is bigger than one, right? You know, so, you know, there's perception and there's, you know, lots of different things when it comes to comparison a lot of the time, but numbers are just numbers, dude. If there's, if there's numbers bigger than that number, then, you know, you've lost essentially. So yeah, you're right. That is a really ugly side of what we do. Um, and I, I do try my best uh, to avoid that. But I, I will say, I think, I do think it is important. And I think this is one of my and my band's greatest strengths is it is important to pay attention as well. You know, yes. don't obsess. But dude, if, if like, say, say, for example, you know, we were talking about earlier about you having musicians on, you having actors on, you having directors on, whatever. Say, you know, you got a wrestler on and the wrestler did really good numbers. Well, get another wrestler. Like, do you get yeah, what I mean? But if, right. if, if you, but if you're completely switched off from those numbers, you'll never notice that the wrestler did better than the actor. The same way we could release an acoustic song, and that could become our most popular song. But if I forced myself 
for the greater good not to look at these numbers. I won't even realize that I maybe wrote my career's best song and I could have become an acoustic artist because I was too busy almost being too scared of, of the reality of things, you know? Um, so there is definitely a conversation of, you know, uh, denial and yeah. almost hyper fixating on negativity really and just trying to find the the marriage between those like what the final thing i'll say on this point you know we've got a song called afterlife and it's our biggest song and like the numbers that song does are, are insane like even now like two years later it does like nearly two million streams a month it's insane and like we've got other songs that are coming out and and like oh my god you know what i mean like it, it's it's bleak it's just like you know this brand new song that i think is brilliant maybe better than afterlife whatever is doing you know half as good as it the month that it comes out you know and and it's one of those things where it's like i can you can easily get obsessed with that but the truth is is just be grateful that afterlife's doing well and hope that you know you can still be humble enough to figure out how to maybe make another afterlife someday you know like be grateful of of those things, but at the same time, be aware that they can ruin your life if, if you hyperfixate on them too much, you know? It's such a hard balance. And the way I've taught myself over the last couple of years is I'm not ignorant. I look at the numbers. I look, I'll look even every 24 hours. I'm refreshing and seeing what's going <laughs> yeah, well and yeah. what isn't. So I haven't got rid of the addiction. But what I am telling myself is even if an episode only did, uh, I don't know, 100, say, 100, 100 people listen to it, it's still 100 more than zero. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. someone out there is crying out to get 10 listeners, or someone out there is busting their balls, and a dream is for them to get 100 in a year. So I need to not be, uh, I'm not saying it's ungrateful, that's not the word. I need to not worry too much because yeah. people's fucking time and attention spans are getting so distracted and so difficult to. No one even wants to leave their house right now. You know, it's like, oh, it's raining. I'm not going out. Do you want to come to a gig? Oh, I don't think I can be asked. I've got work the next day and I've got bills to pay. So if someone will just spend half an hour or an hour with their headphones on and listen to your music or my podcast, fuck, do you know what? That's a victory. For sure. I think my main, and to that point as well, and, you know, I'd say this to anyone, is like, just make sure that you're internally keeping in touch with the person who started all of this, you know, yeah. like, like 2010 Lucas would have been blown away with a hundred thousand streams in a week or whatever. And, and, but those hundred thousand on this aren't enough because they're not as much as this other song or whatever. And it's like, dude, like, you know, like I said, just keep in touch with who you were. And I think you, every number is, is great then, you know? So as we're sitting here right now, it's not out. You've been good enough and I'm, you know, I'm allowed to share this to sh basically give me the new album already, The Noble Art of Self-Destruction. Uh, but it isn't far away. The listeners out there will get to hear it within a matter of weeks. And how long have you actually had the album all finished? Because after lockdown and some of the way the world's gone, some bands I've listened to and have had on the podcast have literally had an album for 18 months mastered and ready to go, but they've just not had the right time to release it. Yeah, dude. So we've sat on this for uh, about 10, 10 months, perhaps nine months. It was See, isn't like, that a long it. time. It's mad. It is. And you know, and I, I say this a lot, like I'm, I'm already stressing about album four and like my, my girlfriend's like have a minute. And I'm like, I don't have, a, <laughs> I don't have a minute. You know, it's like, if I, I recorded this music nine months ago and it took nine months to just bloody come out, let alone writing it. And you know what I mean? So yeah, so this album's kind of been 
we've kind of been sat on it and internalizing it for nine months. Um, but, you know, we we spent the best part of last year, pretty much every day we had off in between, in between tours, we spent writing this album. So, uh, yeah, can't wait to get it out there. It's busy, man. I like every time I see your stories, you're announcing more tour dates. You're supporting mm. all the bands. You're not just playing it safe and playing locally. You're going all around the world, uh, playing with some fucking huge bands. And obviously the mindset must be we've got an album to promote. We want to make a living. We want to grow bigger. We want to win crowds over. But with some of the tours you're doing in America and stuff with the uh, some of the bigger bands I've seen, is your mentality to be given that golden ticket to then hopefully win so many people each night over that weren't there for you but might then leave and buy a t-shirt or go home and listen to you guys yeah for sure you know that's the goal is like every night you get out there and you just kind of fight for your life and hope that every anybody will pay attention you know you've you've just gotta i don't know i i think for me the, the thing that i always try and keep in touch with is like you know and, and i realized this like about a year or two into the band you know but it's like i i've seen how much this band can do for people you know emotionally and and as a community and all the people with tattoos and stuff you know and and i think for me i just want to make sure that everybody on earth gets a chance to find this band you know that's that's the goal is is like i know what it can do for people so i'm just gonna we're just gonna do it as much as we can to get it in front of people you know um it yeah it does get long like you said you know i we would have played 75 shows year, but we've had like two and a half months off so for the first five months of the year we played like 75 shows which is insane and then last year we played 97 shows by the end of this year we'll have played 130 shows so it's like you know like nearly 250 shows in two years i think in this day and age is, is kind of insane you know because it's like you can't just pull up to a a community hall anymore you no. know? i mean there's, there's there's a lot more to it now you know so it's like so yeah, it's, it's crazy, but I think yeah, I just so much effort and time and love and and thought into into our music. I just want to make sure it, it gets out there as, as much as possible. And and for me as well, you know, I, I'm a very existential person. I'm always aware of the end and how quickly it can come for us. So I'm just trying to make sure I'm living while I'm I'm alive. You know. So. But as an outsider and a fan of your music and just someone that has just followed you. I can only, I'm not, you know, setting you up to fail here, but I can only see it getting bigger and better. This album I've only had for two days. Genuinely, I haven't stopped listening to it. I fucking love it. I'm blown away. I think it's genuinely your best album. And I think to myself, this, it's kind of like the world's now ready for this album. You know, they, they've discovered your band. They've hopefully seen you at festivals you guys are still young. It's not like you're 60 and you're like really clinging mm. on to this, like, oh, we hopefully can get this album over the line and then we might call it a day. You've got such a career ahead of you. You're still performing with the guys you went to school with so you know that you all love each other and you're not all going to have this massive, huge fight. I can't see it really going anywhere but sky high, dude. You, I know it's hard because you want to be humble, but you must see that you've played two main stages in the UK festivals already this year and everyone fucking loved you. The crowd at Slam Dunk was fucking insane. It was unbelievable. Yeah, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for what's happening now. You know what I mean? More than anything, I, like you said about the wedding day thing, you know, it's like I'm very much 
taking it in as it as it happens, you know, because like yeah, the the slam dunk main stage was insane, you know, it was in, it was absolutely insane. Like so, um, I think the hard thing for me though is like, and this is one, you know, like I said, this is a good thing a lot of the time, but like you know because I'm such a disciple of the scene and I've grown up and I've watched everything happen around me. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just hyper aware of how, you know, very rarely the bands just keep going up, you know? And I, and I think our, our kind of problem at the moment is like crept up. Yeah. And I don't think we've ever taken a dip. And like, like you said, you know, it feels like a slow, steady, and and I think there are a lot of bands. Like I look at some bands and they started up there and they slowly declined. And there are other bands that started here, bombed up and dipped and whatever, you know. And I think for us on a bar graph, you know, on a oh, sorry, on a, like a, a what's, what type of graph is it that, that goes? Up? I don't even like, like a line, bars, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. like a line graph. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, on a graph, it's like we are kind of just going up, you know. But you know, there'll come a day soon where just going up. It's still an insane task, you know. And like, I'm very aware that I don't know. I, I think it's it's the the horrible devil on my shoulder that I've had for a very long time. But I I, I feel like every day I wake up and I'm like, everybody else is going to wake up and and realize that we we suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? So do you so feel like I'm, it's I'm a, do you feel like it's a imposter syndrome, or is it just your own insecurities or anxiety inside yourself that's just always self-doubting because you weren't the kid at school that was in the football team that was picked for this or picked for that is it that's my life i'm always like oh is this podcast just gonna fucking start sucking and people are gonna get bored of the same conversations and before you know it i've got eight people listening and i'm just everyone's like remember when he used to be good yeah or like oh you know yeah you're right man i i think i think more than anything i don't know if it's the imposter syndrome or whatever but i just think i'm really critical yeah. I think I'm like too critical and like I look at things and I'm like that's gonna that's not gonna happen or whatever you know what I mean there's no way there's no way yeah so it, it, and and like I, I think I fixate on the the negatives more than the positives and I think that's why the band has, has managed to be the way it has is because I'm making sure to keep in touch with all the things that you know um are bad and trying to fix them if that makes sense you know but there's still it comes a point where it's like focusing too much on the the damage control i guess you know what i mean um but i hope i hope you're right you know because i think this band still has a lot a lot left to go in terms of storytelling you know i i yeah. think you know i i son- our sonic adventure like you know I, you know this we haven't spoken about this but like on the new album at the bottom of the artwork there is a there's a little three out of three yeah right and and basically that was our way of saying that you know we view this now as like the first three albums of our career kind of equate to a trilogy yeah and this is the end of the trilogy this is the the end of the beginning of our career you know and the fourth album now i'm excited to explore you know more progressive kind of things i'm excited to you know i I keep telling people like album four i want it to be like progressive and i want it to sell out you know what i mean i want to i really want to reach things that we've not actually touched yet you know um and and i'm way ahead of all of that you know for album four but i think you know so i i do think there's a hell of a lot of gas left in the tank i just i just you know the person i am i'm just sure that the wheels are going to run out of tread or something really soon (laughs) But you don't want to change too much when the fact that if we have our line graph 
it hasn't gone up or down. It's gone steadily up all the way. It's like a real diagonal yeah. kind of real nice. This is shit on a podcast when I'm doing hand motions. Yeah, but it's a real yeah, nice yeah. up. It's not like a roller coaster that's going up and down. You've not like done a Limp Biscuit or Corn where you've been absolutely fucking selling out arenas, doing literally studio albums that cost $10, 20000000 million. And now you're doing Birmingham Academy. You know, it's full respect to those bands they're fucking incredible but you know they're not what they used to be and in the same breath you know there's bands like sleep token that seem to have just i don't know they've worked for it but they've suddenly just blown up and then everyone yeah. goes against it you're doing everything right you're not going from main stage to like oh where's holding absence this year oh they're on the new band's tent right down at the bottom you know it's yeah, yeah, yeah. so with this trilogy closing and that's again like sleep token and we mention them a lot but they are the talking point they've done that they've done this whole trilogy album that's finished now and then we'll get a new concept eventually bands like coed and cambria they have these stories they yeah. tell what do you want to do next because let's do it because we've got nearly an hour into this and we haven't even mentioned Frice yet <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah price for me changed it when they evolved and when they brought out the alchemy index was the moment i realized they weren't the same band that were just gonna and don't get me wrong vishu and all the other albums like beggars are fucking incredible but it showed me that they can write songs beyond just a four-piece band that are playing the same sort of stuff like dead bolt and stuff they got synths, they got keyboards, Dustin's vocals changed, Tepe was doing more intricate guitar, and then I realised this band's only going to evolve. Like Radiohead, like Paramore. Is that where you see your album four going? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I don't want to give too much away because, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, the third album's not even out yet, you know, but I, for me, I'm looking at, like, I'm looking at, like, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. I'm oh, looking man. at Kid A. Kid A. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking just, like, you know, look, we've done three great albums. I, 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 and my main thing about me being in this band is like, I always try and be objective. I, I, I would be a fan of Holden Absence if I wasn't in Holden Absence, right? You know, so I, I think we've done three brilliant albums that have been, you know, had a great narrative to them and have felt very conceptually rich, but also, you know, like very accessible, you know what I mean? And, and I think for this, for album four, man, oh my God, the sky's the limit, you know, because the bedrock is there now, you know? Yeah. I, I think, you know, because at the end of the day, if Alchemy flopped, like like you said, like Vizu artist masterpiece albums, you know, so they buy themselves that experimentation. And by no means am I trying to say we'll end up doing something to that scope. We'll do it in our way. But, you know, and once again, trying to just be humble to what we are and who our fans are, you know what I mean? But, um, I think for this album specifically, The Noble Art of Self-Destruction, we said, look, let's write a 10-track, all-killer, no-filler. Like, let's just not mess around. No interludes, no nothing. Let's let's make this a perfect album um, in that parameter. And then now the goal is for album four. I mean, let's just make a perfect album in a whole different parameter, you know? So knowing you as well as i do and talking today you are a perfectionist you are someone that will struggle to probably finish something because like an artist does how do you know when the picture's finished you know sometimes you yeah. need a time I always, limit i or, always use that analogy man like a, a you know, painting is never finished yeah you know? so there's always a, another brush brush stroke to be put down so is you know? the noble art of self-destruction as good as it is 10 tracks all complete you know every track is fucking could be a single nine months now after you've had it do you sometimes listen to it and think ah i want to get the paintbrush out again or are you happy 
They, I mean, I wouldn't be a musician if I didn't feel like one or two things. Yep. The other thing you got to remember as well is like you do relinquish responsibility to other people, you know, and if, I don't know, this one drum fill, you know, not, not anything in particular, our drummer's insane, but like... You listen to this you know, now if, and be like, what do you mean? What have I done what, wrong? Hey, what fill, bro? Yeah. <laughs> I split-holding absence up. Fucking hell. But all it takes is one little thing and, and yeah. you can just be like, oh, I preferred the demo or whatever. That That is that is natural, you know, but I think, man, like all good albums do, I've listened to this album for the last nine months now. I've tried to be objective and I feel like, I'm having a different favorite song over and over again. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, I'm really, I'm really confident and really proud in it. And um, I just can't wait to play these songs, you know, but it's, that's the thing is like, that's why I know I'm in the right place because like, like we've just said, like I'm excited to write album four already. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm excited for the future and the creativity that is there to be untapped. And even if that's just playing songs that we wrote, a year ago, but we haven't had the fortune of actually playing live or whatever, you know. Um, I'm excited for all of it, and I just can't wait for our fans to connect with those songs now. My, my last episode was with As December Falls, and those guys just nice. blew up, and I love the fact that they got, you know, in the top 15 in the UK album chart, no label, no management. Just wow, to... I didn't know that. Yeah, number them. 11. Wow, yeah. Uh, the, only reason they didn't get, the only reason they didn't get top 10 was Taylor Swift. Um, oh, how fucking cool is that? And... Um, she said to me on the interview that she's part of like her favorite band. And if she wasn't in the band, she would listen to them. And her favorite album at the moment is her own. And it wasn't arrogant. It was like, yeah, no. I'm a huge yeah. fan of what we do. And that's so fucking good because you're not doing it for the money. You're not doing it just because it's a job and it means you don't have to go and work in Sainsbury's or, you know, other supermarkets are available, but you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. You're doing it because you want. And if you love your album and it's 10 tracks that you fucking love and nine months later, you're loving them to have that itch now to then get on the road. Is it November? You guys are touring. September now. Well, August 25th, we, yes. August 25th, we leave for three months now. So it mental. Is you've got America yeah. and then UK and Europe, Australia. And all Fucking and then hell, man. Yeah, so it's just like, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. But to then bring these new songs in, even though they're nine months, then they're going to feel like you wrote them yesterday, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the love of, oh, man. Oh, God, you know, I've lived the best life, you know what I mean? Because, like, there's so much nuance to why being in a band is great. And like you said, you know, the, the joy of, oh, my God, this melody's great, or, wow, this lyric is really cool, I can't wait to put it down, and then listening to it, and then playing it and then dude still like three or four years later i'll play your songs live sometimes and be like oh yeah this is sick you know and, and i think that's so beautiful because you know i just i think the most important thing on earth is to create i i would urge anyone if if you haven't got a creative outlet like like for yourself you know like like a, like a podcast is, is a great creative outlet you know because you're creating conversation and you know a, a community around it you know but people might not even realize that that's creativity you know but painting or writing comic books or whatever you know there's just so much to create and i'm just fortunate that like my creations have, have led me to live a great life and and like i keep finding new things to love about my own paintings i guess yeah you know, which is really cool yeah. So what else do you do when you're outside? Because I, I know you are touring normally about eight months. Uh, you've also got a girlfriend, you've got life and everything else. But are you, I know you're a huge fan of anime and films and stuff. Is there that vision that you'd love to write a comic one day? Or is that yeah, something dude. else you'd love to do? Or direct videos or make a short film? Because I know that's also a big passion of yours. 
yeah comic books is my main passion honestly. yeah i uh, like it's, it's funny because i think you know when it's you know i think only a small kind of margin of people will understand this like intrinsically but like when you turn your passion into a job you know there, there is then a little bit more room in your heart for like another passion because of course. you you would be a freak if you were if you were obsessed with music and you know working it you know it would you, I think it's, it's unhealthy you'd burn bit. out yeah. yeah yeah so for me you know i i grew up reading comics i i had my like behind me you know the Avengers i can see it right now four. yeah awesome. yeah 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 and like i i got my first comic when i was eight my my father bought me um like an Avengers kind of compilation of like reprints. So it's only cheap and whatever, but oh man, it just changed my life. Like that is my story. You know, that, that is how I consume stories, you know? And like, you know, I, I always say it's, it's kind of like reading a book and watching a film at the same time, you know? But um, as I've got older, it's cool because it's like, I, I think the medium is definitely offering me more as, as I grow older because there's just so much more to consume. I, I'm still in touch with, like I said, with my younger self, I read anime. Uh, sorry, I read manga, yeah. and, and I read a lot of it. And whether that's like Spy Family, which is kind of like a kids kind of comic, really, or you know, I'm reading. Oh my god, some manga is dark as hell. You know what I mean? But like, or, you know, regardless, you know, there's so much. There's so much to explore, and and I will say, I'm very grateful that uh, I have such a a vast kind of second passion, I suppose. Um, and to what you said, you know, earlier, like. I'd love to get into comic book writing uh, because I just think I just love stories and I love characters and I love character arcs. And I think there's so much music is, is a very specific type of creation, I think, you know? Um, and I think there's still so much more in my crazy fucking brain that needs itching. So uh, yeah. have you ever put pen to paper and done a storyboard or an idea for, yeah, a, a I mean, I literally, this is oh, a nice. comic that I've been <laughs> that I've been working on for for a while, but um, I my issue is that I I think you know I like like I said you know with the band you know it's like it took me thirteen years to get to where I'm at right now, and even then I don't write the best music in the world, and and I think I can't draw, and I don't know if I can write, you know, so I'm very very reluctant to to show anyone because I I think it's really important to fail out of the public eye. Of my, my opinion is that you know you should you should play to nobody because it's less embarrassing when nobody watches you suck, you know? Yeah. And like a, a very unique issue we've, we've had quite recently is like, uh, this is kind of, oh, this is like a complete tangent now, but with the band, you know, we're, we're kind of aware of the fact that like playing in arenas is, is a new thing. It's a whole new skill to try and command an arena. You know, it's, it's similar to being on a smaller stage, but it's just like, it's so different and so much harder and the, the problem we're, we're experiencing right now is like you cannot learn how to play an arena <laughs> you need to play an arena in front of 5,000 people right you know and if you're not ready 5,000 people are going to see that you know what I mean so that's one thing that I, I'm quite passionate about is like I do think it's important to fail behind closed doors or fail while nobody cares so that the lessons you learn through failure, you know, won't be quite as embarrassing. And then you'll wake up one day and you'll be brilliant and people will take notice and they'll think, where have you been all, all, you know, all these years? And it's like, well, I've just been playing to nobody down the road, but I've actually gotten really good at it now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's eventually got to be the day that you show me one of those pages or you show one <laughs> of your people. Oh, yeah. The day will come. The day will come. But I, um, 
I'm very reluctant at the moment. And look at it. We've, <laughs> men we've mentioned Coed in Cambria, but there's people like CM Punk in the wrestling business. There's a lot of people that then will dip their toe into the comic industry and show their stories. Yeah. And I know they've got the backing of DC or Marvel and all this, but they go down that route and they have good stories to tell. And it is usually the very creative people that work in the industry that have the best ideas. And then you'll be like, you know, look at Kevin Smith, filmmaker, but now he's got his comics are as good as his fucking films. Yeah, dude. Who is the other one quite recently? The, the one that blew my mind is, um, oh, what's his name? Brian K. Vaughan. He's one of the writers of Lost. Yes. And um, he's he's got this comic book called Saga. And it's like one of the best, it's, it's like one it's of in my pile dude i've got a pile at the oh, moment yeah. where i'm working through at the moment i'm going through swamp thing because everyone told me to read it and i've got yeah, to do it yeah it's classic uh, yeah. the original uh and i'm literally like going through that at the moment but saga's there and i'm, I'm like oh. if i could give you one recommendation it's a comic called east of west it's my okay. favorite favorite comic book ever I, I won't even begin to describe it to you but it's 10 volumes I was about and to say, like, how many volumes is it? Because I end up having to buy the whole fucking lot and it'll cost me I know, sorry in advance. <laughs> but it is so good. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of my favourite kind of, I don't know, media experiences in my life is reading that comic. I, I just fucking loved it. So. Oh, I'm looking at it now. Oh, Apocalypse boy. Year One, is that right? Yeah, so that one is like a big... Where are we at? So one of them is more expensive. Yeah, so that is like... Um, I could show you all my... Uh, like we said terrible on a podcast <laughs> but um i've got obviously all 10 volumes but that's probably about three volumes four volumes yeah. worth i guess so um but dude i would urge you to sink your teeth in and it's one of those things that you enjoy the first time but you'll love the second time which i think is the best kind of thing you know i need some new stuff as well because i'm traveling a lot to festivals i've been busy this summer i've been lucky enough to do podcasts at festivals now on stage so 2000 oh, trees nice. and stuff yeah, like cool. that i'm doing arc tangent in a couple of weeks yeah. and uh I, i've noticed i'm doing a lot more traveling and especially going to fright fest and stuff like that so this could be the one this is my for next me as purchase. well it's, yeah. it's, it's not having my phone in my hand 24 7 like when i'm yeah. on the road like i'll buy a comic book in america dude, i'll buy a comic every four days or something and just slowly chip away at it because it's like it's it healthy keeps my brain stimulated but yeah you're right it is it is really healthy in these days when it's so easy to be on your phone you know uh, but the other thing i'd suggest is manga in general yes is cheaper and easier to to transport because they're small so and if i had to suggest for you specifically i'd say attack on titan is, is really 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 good well there you go i've got a couple yeah <laughs> dude um this talk i feel could go on and on but what i want to do uh i'm doing it live on the podcast but i think we need to do something face to face while you're doing the uk tour so i'm going to come down to birmingham and I, even oh. if we just have a beer and talk for 40 minutes about mango and what i thought about these comics let's do a follow-up because yeah i'd love that man this is a great chat today and i fucking loved it but i'm also conscious that I want to see the songs live. I want to see this yeah, album go out there. I want to see people start talking about it. And it isn't that long until the UK shows. So I think if we can try and set something up where we just hang in a room and do the, like at the end of the trilogy, the third part of us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. yeah, yeah. And we'll focus more on comics if you want, whatever you want to talk about. But um, you know what I do on the end of this podcast, and it is ask you to pick the outro song. So it's never easy. It's never easy, no. It's fucking tough. Um, but is there a song that you want to recommend or that you love that plays out as soon as this is edited and ready for the world to hear? Okay, so I'm going to go with... Because uh, I was like, oh, you know, you almost made it seem like quite emotional then. Like, oh, you know, pick a song to chronicle my life or, you know, if, yeah. like a desert island disc. But I think 
my my main thing at the moment is there is a band that I've been obsessed with for about three years now. Uh, they're Japanese, and I feel like they're so under the radar, but they are so I've ne- they are so game changing. Like to the point where like Bring Me the Horizon have started working with the guitarist on songs because they have such a unique voice. So uh, the song I, I'm going to suggest is by a band called Pale Dusk, and the song is called Slay, and it's just basically frantic, chronic, like metalcore from Japan, and it is just the best thing ever. So I, Why I'm have I heard that name? Have, they, have they played recently? They played Two Thousand Trees. That's it. I heard the name loads mentioned, and people were telling me about this band but i had press and i was fucking back to back i did like 11 interviews in two days and i missed them but everyone that's the name i kept hearing all weekend yeah well there we go check them out they are for me just you know i think the most in interesting inventive band on earth right now i can't find a better band so yeah And, and how are you feeling at the moment about to go off and play for three or four months do you get nervous still are you kind of shit we're going to go to different territories we're then putting ourselves on different levels because you've got that kind of we're supporting somebody else but then you come back and you're like right now we're the big dogs and the big guns again and now we're headlining is it a bit all over the place are you like oh god my head's got to be in the right place on a different day yeah it is a roller coaster especially being a vocalist as well it's like you know i i really feel like vocals are just like dark magic because you really just can't you can only hope you don't catch a cold or yeah you know you don't but, and i'm i touch wood but I, I am good at my job now i, I do it so much and and, and I, it doesn't go wrong very often so but at the end of the day anything could happen and then it's just like game over you know and it's yeah. all on my shoulders so i do stress about that a lot um and i do i have a really big like sinus problem when i fly so i'll quite often get like migraines and stuff uh, and I don't know if you've ever been to Australia, but Never, twenty but, hour yeah. flight is not a good time to start a migraine that doesn't stop. So I uh, I hated coming back from Australia last time because it was like I generally felt like someone had like fucking smashed my head in. It was horrible. Drilling but your head the whole said, twenty hours, yeah. Dude, I can't even. Yeah. But that being said, like I, it's my favorite thing on earth to do, you know. And like I just can't wait. You know, this this next tour we're doing now is with Senses Fail. Yeah, what a band. And, um, yeah and like you know we're just playing the main cities as well so it's like you know chicago new york you know you name it whatever and and like i i i still can't can't believe i've three american tours in the last 18 months and i'm about to do a fourth one now and just you know what i mean it's it's like it's so such a privilege so all those ugly scary emotions i i really have to like put at bay because i am so grateful i'm so excited you know it's so, yeah. amazing. And are you going to start trying to introduce as much of the new album as you can, or are you drip feeding people? Is it like one or two songs in the set list, and then as you come home, oh, it's the UK crowd; they know us a bit better. Three or four. Yeah, yeah. It's tough because it's like you know, you. Oh God, this I could have this conversation for hours, you know, because you you when you do a tour like the one we're doing in September, you've got to pick the set list really that will capture the most people. Yeah, so you've got to keep your fans happy. But at the same time, you know, you've got to just play the best set you can. Um, and then when you come home, you've got to play as much new stuff as you can. But then also everybody will be annoyed at you if you don't play old stuff. So you, there is no winning when it comes to picking a set list, you know. Um, but we are playing quite a few new songs and we're really excited. We, I can't wait, man. So just talking about it now, I'm excited. Thank you, dude. Um, 
as this is going out, the album's just about to come out. I hope people fucking love it as much as me. I, I've said it on this recording, and you know I won't bullshit you. I've told bands that have come on the podcast if their album isn't the best, or it's a grower, or it's taken time, mm. but it is literally all killer, and I fucking love it. And uh, I've only had thank a couple you, of days, you. and I bought myself some AirPods recently, and I've just put them in, and I'm just fucking... The sound quality's unreal, and I'm just getting so excited to listen to music and this album dude is the one so uh i can't believe Thank that you. album four is already starting yeah it's in to... the canon i'm <laughs> i'm it's a, it's a big rocket though so i think it's gonna take a while don't yeah. go too different if you come out and sound like no. the backstreet boys i'm gonna be like that went all fucking all over <laughs> the shop like i told those no, guys on the interview don't change it too much but thank you dude, no, for coming it. back thank on man um i i really can't wait to see you guys play and uh let's do the trilogy let's finish this face to face when we can cool sounds good thank you for having me so there it is there's my interview with me and the amazing lucas from the awesome band holding absence a guest that i absolutely adore i think you know that by now he's become a close friend I'm now going to be spending so much money on graphic novels and comics and he'll probably cost me my marriage because I'll end up spending all our money on all the stuff we talked about. But hey, it was worth it. It was awesome to have you back on and I can't wait to see the band on their UK tour in only a few weeks time. And if you haven't checked out the band and it's new to you because of this podcast, just dive right in. Go and listen to everything they've recorded. All three albums are absolutely fantastic, but their brand new album is out now, The Noble Art of Self-Destruction, and for me, it's their finest hour. It's absolutely awesome and a true masterpiece, and I'm so excited to hear the songs live very soon. If you've enjoyed today's episode, all I ask in return is to share this episode. It's so simple to do. Jump on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, hit the share button and before you know it, all your friends or your family on your list of people will see this and then suddenly jump on board. So if you have enjoyed today's episode, just take those two seconds to hit those couple of buttons and it really goes a long way. I also have a Patreon account and people I understand are very skint at the moment with everything in the world going up, but I'll only be able to continue this podcast with the support on there. You can do this by going on markandme.com and clicking the link to Patreon, and you can sign up for as little as £1 a month. And in return for that, you get exclusive episodes called The Lost Tapes, which are only released to people that support me via Patreon. Not only that, you get a badge, a welcome pack, some stickers, a newsletter each and every month and some exclusive playlists that are coming very soon. It's all very exciting and it's my way of thanking you guys for supporting me on there. So if you can afford just a pound or two a month, it really does go a long way. I don't pay myself, it goes all right back into the podcast and allows me to go out there and do these interviews for you guys at home. I'll be back in only a couple of days' time with another brand new episode. So until then, listen to Holding Absence, take care, and I'll speak to you all very soon. Yeah.
Yeah. <laughs> 